parental alienation, a child is rejecting a parent for a non-protective reason. In other words, that that parent is safe, the child is protected and safe with that parent, and there was an unreasonable rejection due to an alienating influence. If we rule out that there is no abuse and the child is not wanting to see them, we have to recognize that they're being abused by the other parent to not have a relationship with them. Because, again, it's the child's right to have a relationship with them. And if that person is not supporting that and not recognizing their own role in not making, not allowing that to happen, that's abuse. And then that child, if you notice, alienated children will defend them tooth and nail, just like you see these kids defending the people who are abusing them sexually. It's something that's existed for many, many decades. And I think now we're reaching a point where we're starting to recognize that a child who says vehemently, I'm not going to see a parent after family separation, um, is a child that's waving a red flag. It's also considered domestic violence because the intent of the behavior is to harm the other parent and their relationship with the child. Mm -hmm. And so many behaviors that alienators do aren't always involving the child. The child can be a weapon that's used against them, but they will engage in many, many behaviors just to hurt the other parent. And if you've got a parent who demonstrates, who shows, who, who through that behavior signals to the child that it's not acceptable for the child to have a relationship with the other parent, then the child will respond to that because their greatest anxiety is that that parent will become emotionally unavailable to them. Parents are being accused falsely of sex abuse. Terrible terrible. If a child believes the false story that they had been sexually abused as a by a parent, they are at, at the same risk potential for PTSD as if it actually had happened. This is criminal behavior, absolutely criminal behavior. The alienator is assaulting the child's memory, feelings, thinking, relationship with the parent. Assault is a crime. So whenever I conduct trainings with mental health providers and lawyers as well, um, one question that always comes up is, how do I know whether it's alienation or the child is really being abused and they don't want to see the other parent? So if you follow the model, there would be no way for an abused child to be considered alienated as long as we have accurate ways of determining if a parent has been abusive. So when you see a child who's rejecting one parent, especially strongly, and you see a child, the same child, is strongly aligned with the other parent, probably that's an alienated child, not an estranged one. Alienating parents use a lot of the same strategies of loyalty-inducing things that people who are trying to groom children to be sexually abused use. And we have a lot of research about how um, profoundly dysfunctional uh, and unstable and alienating parent is. Let's face it, a normal parent will not try to undermine the relationship between the child and the other parent. A normal parent appreciates that the child has a need for the other parent. And when the alienating parent can't appreciate that, they lack empathy for one thing. The model says that four things need to be present in order to know that a rejecting child is alienated. All four have to be present. So we try to set the bar pretty high so that we are not placing 
are considering an abused child as an alienated child. For a child to reject a parent is not just about the dreadfulness of, of murdering a parent who is still alive and saying, I no longer want to, to have you um, in my consciousness. It's about the way that that child has murdered part of themselves and has then been forced to live with it. And it's only when that child comes into their young adulthood that perhaps the gravest consequences of what they've been forced to do really starts to come to light. Um, parents who alienate their children are not only engaging in psychological abuse, but also even physical abuse and social isolation and other types of things to harm that child um, and keep them away from the other parent. But it does a lot of significant damage to that child and to their relationships with others. This is evidence-based science. You don't just get to make it up. I think it's important, as an aside, to distinguish between science and a belief system or science and ideology or science and speculation. I'm a scientist and I don't work with possibilities, like what's probable? Because when you're making decisions about children, you need to go with what the evidence says. And the evidence says abused children don't often act that way. Why do we care if a rejecting child is alienated or estranged, right? Maybe it doesn't matter, but it does. And the reason it matters is because the treatment would be very different. There's a concept in statistics and probability that turns out to be extremely relevant to these clinical cases. And that concept is, is the concept of a base rate, which I'll define in a minute, and ignoring the base rate, which is called base rate neglect. And if you're looking for alienation and even other kinds of domestic violence, you have to look at patterns over time. Because abusive parents are very, they use coercive control. They use um, ways to dominate the other person. And that you have to look deep and you have to look at it over an extended period of time. If the professional doesn't have specialty level pattern recognition, or better yet, subspecialty level pattern recognition, you're liable to make a lot of mistakes and miss the important patterns. Well, actions speak louder than words. I say immediately, you have to be able to reason backwards. When that sh the alienating parent shows genuine support for the relationship between the other parent and child, you know it in how the child behaves. They will accept the other parent like this, like a light switch. If you're using intuition, when, even when, when you shouldn't, then you tend to have great confidence in your incorrect conclusions. That's almost true by definition. It feels right. So no matter how wrong you are, if it was intuitive thinking, it feels right, and I'll repeat the catchy phrase, consequently, they tend to have great confidence in their incorrect conclusions, and that's a huge problem. There's a kind of a perception that both parents must be contributing to the problem for this child to be rejecting them. You know, one parent must be doing something bad, and then the other parent's and they're both acting badly towards each other. Uh, and in my experience interviewing and talking to targeted parents and researching them, that a lot of them are, are really helpless. They have almost no power or control over what's happening in their lives, in their children's lives. Um, the alienating parent really controls everything. They control access and communication to their child. Anything that that parent will say to the child is interpreted by that child as negative and hostile towards the other parent who they're trying to protect. So my experience was that it's impossible for this person to reciprocate when you actually see the dynamics in these families. What's going on here is the alienating parent tends to be a master manipulator. 
uh, often an accomplished liar, uh, brilliant at managing impressions, and so on, um, and is the aggressor who's winning. The other parent is a, a trauma victim. So rather than sort of these children blossoming, they're kind of wilting under the care of the favorite parent, and that's just profoundly frustrating, and that word doesn't just really begin to capture how painful it is for the targeted parent to, to go through that. For one thing, it requires certain types of thinking that are not commonly taught to professionals. Um, some advanced medical concepts, for example, reasoning backwards from effect to cause and conditional probability, which is the probability of one thing given another thing or the probability of one event given that another event has already occurred. So not to get too technical, that's the first point. It requires special expertise. And that expertise is not necessarily common among the people who deal with these cases. Typically, alienated parents are what we call narcissistically vulnerable. They, they feel very threatened when part of their identity is being diminished within the dissolution of the marriage. So they externalize the blame and project it outward towards the targeted parent. And um, the children get involved in that, and they're caught in the middle. Usually, when you're dealing with alienation, it's one of three types or a combination. Borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, or some type of a sociopathic personality disorder. And my most recent paper, we found that in the U.S., it's about um, 22 million adults are the victims of parental alienating behaviors, um, and they are not reciprocating the behaviors. So they are the primary targets of these behaviors. Is rejection of a parent serious for, for a child? It absolutely is. Um, to reject a parent is a very unnatural thing for a child to do. We are born helpless into the world and we attach to our primary caregivers as a way of avoiding being abandoned. And our biggest fear is that we will be abandoned. And unfortunately, what happens to children in these circumstances is that they are forced to reject a parent against their uh, natural way of being in the world and then they're forced to live with and suffer the consequences of that which are very very deep and they're long lasting and one of the problems about alienation is that um, we don't readily see the impact on the child in the here and now what we see is the impact of the child much further down the line but whether this is uh, deliberate and conscious or whether it's unconscious the child is still at risk of the same kinds of harm and therefore we need to think of it in terms of it as, as child abuse and child protection. So what my research shows is this is it's it's just like other kinds of violence it's it doesn't discriminate. Uh, where we do find gender differences is in how we as a society respond to it. The problem for parental alienation and those of us who understand the damage that it does to children is that feminism removes the gaze from where it needs to be and argues that the gaze should simply be on women, apart from when women are alienated. I wouldn't say it's counterintuitive for someone who is a specialist in this area, just like quantum physics. If you're a professor of physics, it's not counterintuitive to you. If you're a normal person, it is. The non-specialist in alienation will say, oh, this is a this is a relationship problem between a child and a parent. I know how to treat that. Well, 
there's a world of difference if the child is rejecting the parent for legitimate protective reasons or it's a result of a brainwashing. When non-specialists see it, what you see is a child who seems close to mom or close to dad. They can sit in an interview and the parent is rubbing the child's back and holding hands and the child tells you how great the parent is and how bad the other parent is. Anyone who doesn't have specialty level expertise is liable to leave that interview thinking, what a great relationship. So I'll repeat the phrase, non-specialists almost always, and I don't use a term like that lightly, almost always mistake pathological enmeshment for healthy bonding. When the alienating parent alleges alienation, you have an obligation then to say, let me explore this, and is this my area of expertise? And if I don't know the eight manifestations, and I don't know the 17 alienating strategies, and I haven't taken a CEU course, and um, I, I wasn't trained in family dynamics, and uh, I've never been to a conference like PASG, and I don't collaborate with one single known expert in the field on alienation. This is outside my area of expertise. I have an obligation to one, do one of two things. Get an expert to supervise me or say, you know what? I'm in way over my head. I have to pass this case. I cannot treat it. Targeted parents are... Um living in an unending grief. The alienator presents with the four C's. He or she is cool, calm, convincing, and cool, calm, charming, and convincing. By contrast, the alienated parent, the targeted parent, has the four A's. He or she is anxious, agitated, angry, or afraid. And if you don't know to look for that pattern, and you interview each one, you, you think you've got it all figured out after the first interview with each person? And I specialize in a four-day intensive reunification program. I call it a therapeutic vacation because it's a combination of talking and activities that the child likes. And these children jumpstart a reconnection. They got on planes from across the country, from California, Florida. They took four-hour car rides from Delaware and Maryland to New York, and they came voluntarily. That's how easy it is to get them to come once the court frees them from the loyalty conflict. Kids who threaten to kill themselves, to run away, to self-harm, to do all sorts of things that is just part of the programming that they are freed from with the court order for turning points for families. You know, I, I don't think it's ever going to totally go away because it is a malicious activity and there are malicious people who do things. It's, it's a little bit like bank robbery. You know, no matter what you do, there's still going to be bank robbery.